0: My remit today is to share something with you that uh, falls into that time period after the resurrection, and uh, I I just sat quietly before the Lord after Mark had had mentioned that on the phone, and I thought, Father, what is it that uh, you would like me to highlight? There are so many events after the resurrection that are so meaningful that... uh, you know, one could, could almost go in any one of a number of different directions. But I did feel the Spirit of God impress, gently impress uh, an incident on my, on my heart. And the more I thought about it, the more I've looked into it, the more I feel that it is a prophetic word for many people this morning. I know it is one for myself, and uh, I trust that wherever you fit into the picture that we'll try and paint for you, you'll recognize your position, your place in this event, and what it is that you require and you need God to step in and help you with so that you can pursue his purpose for your life uh, when 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 I bless someone, when I say, "God bless you, I have a new understanding in the last few years of what that means it's not just a kind of greeting that you know uh, just to make someone feel better, but uh, my understanding has grown of of that that Term, God bless you, and uh, especially as I've as I've gained a little bit of knowledge about its its meaning in the Hebrew, in particular, Baruch, God bless you, and and it, what it really means is uh, may God's purpose for your life, God's ordained purpose for your life, be fulfilled, and and that is that is the. Foundation on which I stand this morning as I share this word with you. That God's ordained purpose for your life may be realized. Uh, it's, it's something like that, that word, amen, which I believe is the most often used word in the Christian world. Uh, I don't have stats for that, but I, I, I heard someone claim that. Uh, but it, it means so be it. Uh, And more particularly, it means may your prayer, may this prayer, this statement for you be fulfilled. And so I'd like you to be complete in the Amen, the Yay and the Amen of the promises of Jesus. Uh, I'd love you to to, uh, leave here today knowing that God wants to bless you in his ordained purpose for your life. You are here for a reason. On this planet, I mean, you're here this morning for a reason too. Uh, But I I want to share with you a few thoughts around something that I've entitled The Voice from the Beach. The Voice from the Beach. Uh, Have you ever been in that place where You've had the uh, post event, exciting event syndrome. Uh, What I mean by that is uh, it's a symptom, a a syndrome that happens when you've been planning something quite significant in your life. You've been looking forward to it. You've, you, you know, some significant event, perhaps it was a wedding or a special party or a holiday or a house move, anything of significance, and uh, you've invested energy into it, you've invested time, you've been committed to it. it, it seems to have filled so much of your conversation with others or with your spouse or with friends, it crops up all the time. And you've shared your plans and you've, you've looked at the program minutely and, and planned every step. And uh, if it's something that that's, has a guest list attached to it, how many times have you not read through that guest list to make sure you have all those that you desire to be part of that event to be there with you? And then the day arrives. And before you know it, it's over. It's gone. And you sit there and you twiddle your thumbs and you think to yourself, what now? Well, the portion of Scripture I want to speak to you about is what appears to me to be such an event for the disciples. A post-exciting event, syndrome that they'd lapsed into. And so if you'll turn with me to John chapter 21 John 21 and we'll read together from the first verse John 21 verse 1 afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias that by the way is just the Roman uh, name for the sea of Galilee and it happened this way. And then he goes on in verse two to uh, name five disciples out of the eleven, and there are two others with them that are not mentioned. Don't know who they are. There's no point pursuing to uh, you know that that as a, as a challenge. We don't know, uh, but uh, there there are seven of these guys who are involved together in this event. Uh, out 7 out of the 11 11 because Judas is no longer alive he's committed suicide, he's dead and uh, it, it's in verse 3 uh, Peter says I'm going out to fish and the others all said we'll go with you so they went out and got into the boat but that night they caught nothing early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And this voice from the shore came to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. Then this voice from the shore said to them, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Beautiful, old, impulsive Peter. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. That that sentence fascinated me. Uh, Jesus was asking them if they caught enough food. And uh, when they arrive, he's already made a fire. There is fish on the fire. <laughs> and and there's there's... There's even a loaf of bread, or loaves of bread. Now I I can't imagine Jesus getting some dough and all of that stuff and mixing it all and allowing the dough to rise and then, you know, uh, prepare bread to stick on the fire. I think these. I think the the fish and the bread were straight from the 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 pantry in heaven. I, I think that, you know, the, the ovens of heaven provided that, that bread for them. and uh, But Jesus probably thinks, well, the, these guys are hungry. And so he says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. That also kind of grabbed my attention. Not 150, 240, or around 150 fish, but 153 fish. And do you know why it's so exact? Of course, somebody counted them. <laughs> none of the disciples, come and have come breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. This stranger on the shore This voice that had come to them from the shore was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. You could well ask the question, and I've heard sermons on this, what are they doing in Galilee? Galilee? Why are they there? Why are they not back in Jerusalem and beginning to evangelize and and spread the good news uh, and explain the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus to people? What are they doing up in Galilee? I think there are probably three reasons they are up there. The first reason is they're doing exactly what they were told to do. Jesus said to them before he died in Matthew twenty six thirty two, But after I have risen, I will go before you to Galilee. And then the angels at the tomb, when the women arrived there, they, they, they told Mary at the empty tomb in Matthew 28, verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And that's, that's another way of saying you need to get yourselves up to Galilee if you want to see the Lord. So despite what, what some sermons have claimed, these guys are not slacking off. They're, they're doing what they were told. And I think there's another pointer here for us. There's another reason. They they hadn't been given their commission yet. They were told go to Galilee. They hadn't been told yet to go into all the world. Jesus, in Matthew 28, towards the end of that chapter, that is where that well-known portion of scripture is found where he does give them a commission that basically it comprises of that they need to go to all the nations and make disciples of them. Secondly, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, to teach them everything, to observe everything that Jesus had commanded the disciples. So they hadn't received this commission yet. It was at his ascension that Jesus said to them, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and when he does, you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So all of that, at this point in time in Galilee, next to the the Sea of Galilee, that hadn't happened yet. And one of the most important reasons, I think, is that the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out upon them yet. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was like the starter's gun for them to get going. So the fact that they were in Galilee Galilee is not a sign of rebellion, it's not a sign of cowardice, it's not a sign that they are having cold feet. They're there because that's where they needed to be. And maybe there's a little lesson in that for you. You might be questioning, why on earth am I at this point where I am in my life? Let me give you this assurance. If you're a child of God, if you're a Jesus follower, if you've committed yourself into His hands, Sure, we could make some crazy decisions sometimes, make wrong choices. But if you're in his hands, what has he promised? He's promised that he'll never leave you. He's promised that he'll be there with you right through to the very end. He said in one of the Psalms that you are cupped in his hands. And understand from the rest of Scripture that you are covered by his hands. So you're in a very, very secure situation. And sometimes we do need to bump our heads a few times before we see the light, so to speak. But where you are at this point in time is part and parcel of the patience of God and the skill of God to bring you through where you are at and into a greater manifestation and fulfillment for the purpose for which you were born that's just the kind of God we serve he's not mean he's not vindictive he's not going to get hold of some big spatula up in heaven and whack you on the head he's not going to do anything like that God is what? love whatever love is that is what God is. And when you want to find out a little bit of what love is about, please go read First Corinthians chapter 13. It's all that, and it's more, because God is beyond comprehension. Whoever comprehended what love is and put it down for us in 1 Corinthians 13, they had a great picture, but they didn't have the full picture. The fullness of what God is in terms of love. I guess we will find out one day as we bask in it for all of eternity. Now what we see here is a group of fellows with the post-exciting event syndrome getting hold of them. They, they're in limbo. And what do men do when they are in limbo. They get hungry. <laughs> Since most of these fellows are fishermen, a good way to stop being hungry is to go get some fish. And that's what they're doing this morning. They're out there and, and they're, they've been trying to catch fish. And it's Jesus who then steps up and invites them to a breakfast to satisfy their physical hunger. Now here's an interesting fact, and and if, if, if I'm wrong on this, I, I'd love to have you come share with me where I missed it. But every time that the New Testament mentions fishing, nothing is caught until Jesus gets involved. That applies to literal fish, But it also applies to you and I being fishers of not yet believers. It requires the involvement of Jesus. That will make all the difference, my friends. The message, I think, is very clear. Jesus is a handy person to have around when you want to catch fish. And whatever... That means in your life this morning. Whatever catching fish means to you today. Some project. Some expected result. Something of that nature. You want to fill your net with something. The net of your life. You want to fill it with that. It's good to have Jesus around as you seek to see that fulfilled. And that truth is borne out for us in a literal way in our text that we read this morning. The disciples fished all night and they had absolutely nothing to show for it. But early in the morning, as they're making their way back to to shore, the the I don't know if there was morning mist around or uh, you know whether it was still quite dark or not, but they they there was this person standing on the shore addressing them. You and I know it was Jesus but they didn't know that. And he asks them a question and I would suggest to you that this is a universal question. It was meant in a certain way when he asked them but it takes on the the colors and hues of many, many different perspectives as we consider it for our own lives. And that question was this. Have you caught anything? Is your net filled with anything meaningful? Have you had the desired results of all your efforts, of your investment of time, of your hard work, of a dream that you've carried in your heart for a long time, years perhaps. Is your net full this morning? And I hear the echo of his Advice coming into this room right now as he says to us, Why don't you try the other side? I must admit, the disciples probably thought, What difference would that make? But here's a key please get hold of this when they did it the miracle happened such a load of fish that it couldn't be brought into the boat they had to drag the net to shore this is this is a repeat of a previous miracle they had experienced they back in in Luke chapter 5 it's it's virtually deja vu they Uh, probably John in in particular because he remembered that previous miracle when there was also a large catch of fish and they had to summons other boats to come and help them. Uh, Probably remembering that John was able to say it is the Lord. It is the Lord. That was right at the beginning of their friendship with Jesus right at the beginning of the journey that they had with him. And now the second miracle is near the end of their walk, their journey with Jesus here on earth. Of course, it would continue after his ascension. But here on earth, it was near the end. So it is bookended at the beginning and at the end with a miracle of provision, a miracle of Jesus supplying the need. And I, 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 I'm i sure you're with me in all of this. You, you already know where we're going with this. Whatever you need to fill your net with in terms of, of provision, in terms of a greater Anointing and place in God as you worship Him, as you work for Him, as you seek to see His kingdom extended. He's up to the task. Amen. And can you hear this morning a challenge, a gentle one? Why don't you try the other side of the boat? We'll enlarge on that in a few moments. We need the involvement of Jesus. At the beginning of your journey with Jesus, at the beginning of your friendship with Him, you, you experienced the miracle of the rebirth. Your spirit man was reborn. It assumed a new dimension. It, it, it became connected with the living God in a, in a miraculous way. It is only the work of the Spirit of God that can bring that about. But you said yes, and Jesus said okay, and you've known the difference since then. There's still a ways to go. And maybe part of your empty net is a desire to see a greater fulfillment of what yet lies ahead of you. But you started off with the miracle of your rebirth. And this is where I sense the prophetic touch of of the Holy Spirit. So I, I would be as bold as to say, listen please to what the Spirit has to say to you. Now, when you've journeyed with Him and you hear, I believe for many, maybe not for all, but for many, there will be a reset button that God is pressing and is saying to each one of us, why don't you try the other side? You've, you've worked for so many years. You've worked so hard. You've worked so long. You've expended so much energy, so much time, so much resources. And you know in your heart of hearts that there's much more Could he be saying to you this morning, why don't you try the other side of your little boat? After that first miracle, they went on a great journey. And after the second miracle, they faced another great journey with the Lord. Different in nature, quite different to when they literally shared his presence for three years. Now they'd come to a point where they would have to operate on a different basis. They'd have to to rely on the indwelling Holy Spirit. They'd have to, to learn to be obedient to a gentle prompting. Everything was so different. They'd have to understand that although God expects us to use our brains... That very often he steps in and he asks us to do what we feel might be a bridge too far for us. But as we heard earlier on in the service, he does not expect us to do anything or go anywhere that he will not equip us for. And I believe there are two powerful lessons that this text teaches us. The first one is, when you journey with Jesus, you need to be obedient. Everybody say, obedient. Obedience. Faith comes by hearing. There's more to it than that. Obedience. Who was this man on the shore? Was he uh, a A knowledgeable local? Was he perhaps a professional fisherman? Furthermore, what he was saying of casting the nets on the other side of the boat didn't seem to make much sense. What difference does it make to cast the net on the left or on the right of perhaps a four-foot area? but they listened to the nudge that he gave them and it worked out wonderfully. Sometimes God puts us in situations where it seems like we've come up against a brick wall. Uh, It seems a bit too high to peer over the top and, and perhaps get an idea of what lies ahead. It is it is too strong a wall, too thick a wall for us to try and break it down with physical force. We we just can't do it. We've come to a situation where it almost feels like an impasse. We've tried everything. We thought we knew what needed to be done, but after all, we've done it before and it worked. Now suddenly it's not working anymore. My friends, could it be that Jesus is saying to us this morning, hey, put the net on the other side and see what happens. Could he be saying that? And I just want to put in a proviso here and make quite sure you understand what I'm saying. Whatever comes up will have to be in line with God's word. It will have to be a biblical way. It will have to be godly. It can't be anything that we think is a good idea. So make sure of that proviso, please. Because when when you do put the net on the other side, it is not how you normally would do it, up here, down there. It would seem to your natural reasoning as being crazy. I'm reluctant to, to list examples where that might be the case. But just to give you an idea of my drift i I'll mention two what about a situation where relationships have broken down and in that context, we've planted our feet, we've set our face, and we feel that we're right i'm not I'm not you know, we, we become all defensive about it. I'm going to prove that I'm right in this. just want to ask, uh, how's that going? How's that working out? Maybe the net needs to be on the other side. Maybe we need to be trying forgiveness, an initiative that we pick, the responsi- pick up on the responsibility for and we take the first step. Maybe it's a quality called humility that we need to be asking God to help us with so that we can see the net remend- mended of that, that relationship. Perhaps it's something in our spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, you know, it's, it's not as exciting as it used to be. It's, it's all gone a bit cold. Of course, we're reading our Bible and we're praying, and, but nothing seems to be happening. Perhaps it's time for us to head for the beach. Figuratively speaking. And get on our knees and talk to God. Folks, at the danger of being labeled a fanatic, let me tell you now that no other periodical, no magazine, no storybook can replace the Word of God, in the priority of your life. Nothing else can. No TV show, not even EastEnders. God forbid. It cannot replace an intimacy, a pursuit of intimacy with God, through His Word. May God help us, every single one of us, to understand that when we look at these pages, it's God talking to us. And when we come before Him, it's not necessarily the the rattling off of a long list of our needs. Sometimes when you come into the secret place, it's shh, be quiet and listen and sense. God will never disappoint you if that is the case. Let's get back to the beach where the voice will speak to us. Maybe the net needs to be on the other side. And as it was for the disciples, so it will be for us from time to time. That as we journey with Him, that He might instruct us in something that doesn't make much sense. And He did say some strange things. Like, for example, prefer others before yourself. Take the least position. Put yourself last. Serve others. Put the towel around you and wash their feet. I'm not speaking about a literal washing. I mean, that happens and sometimes it's a great blessing. Other times it's an embarrassment but wash one another's feet by taking that humble stance and recognizing in a brother and a sister a child of God for whom a great price was paid and they worth every bit that you can give to help them and to encourage them. What is Jesus nudging us to do? It may sound foolish, it may not make much sense, but my friends, that one last cast of the net could make all the difference in our lives. Here's the reality. God is much smarter than we are. We can't always rely on what seems to be the appropriate thing, the knowledgeable thing that, that, you know, we can't even rely all the time on our training. Our training was great. But we, we can't always go according to the textbook. Does that make sense to you? There are times in your walk with God when, when you can't even lean back on tradition, past Tradition. You've got, to, you've got to respond to the now word of God. You know, like making a little mud pile from spit and putting it on somebody's eyes. But telling somebody who desperately wants immediate relief, you go off and go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm sure you're with me in what I'm trying to say. The end result, dear ones, will be positively exciting. When you journey with Jesus, you need to learn to be obedient. And I know there are many of you that are carrying something from God. Can I put it like this? You're pregnant with it. It's his life. It's his thing. It's from him. And he wants you to see a fulfillment in that. In your family, in a wider sense, people you know, your church. And he's put something there. By His Spirit, He's planted a seed. The purpose for that is simply that it produces a life. Life in God. A God thing. And thank goodness I'll never have to go through that experience, but I've watched some who are pregnant and have you noticed how that, the closer it gets, as the term progresses, the closer it gets for that life to be born, to reach its fulfillment, have you noticed how it alters their stance? If I thought it wouldn't embarrass her, I'd ask Zoe to come up, up here now and show us. But when you're pregnant with child, your, your stance alters so that you can accommodate the new life. And as that new life develops, and eventually it is is born, it becomes reality. It wasn't an easy ride. You will carry stretch marks. And God's life coming forth invariably stretches us. It's not straightforward. But the requirement is that we yield to it and we obey. Obedience. And my last point, last lesson from this text is much shorter than that one. But it's simply this. When you journey with Jesus the resources you need are never far away. They did not have to go to the other side of the lake. They didn't even have to move their boat. They simply had to relocate their net. Change their approach. Change what they had almost become second nature to them. If I haven't caught fish this side of the boat, why on earth would I catch fish on that side of the boat, as far as they're concerned? But we've become so accustomed to doing things in the same old way, and it's probably on a personal level that this application rests. I'm not talking about the church having to change its... Way of services, and I'm not. I'm not saying that. That's Mark's responsibility. The burden <laughs> is on you, Mark. So, no, I, I, that's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about adjustments in our personal lives. And we look at it. And we we we're comfortable because doing it that way is how we always knew what to expect. We knew what to do if things went wrong. We knew what to introduce. To get back on track. But now suddenly it's going to be so different. What I'm going to have to adjust in my own personal program, my own personal life, in my own approach to whatever, I'm going to have to change it. And I don't really know how to go about it. When they did that, When they put the net in on the other side, they had all that they needed. My mind goes back to to the multiplication of the the loaves and the fishes, the once when it was 5,000 people and another occasion 4,000 people. And there they were facing a dilemma. It was too late for these people to go and buy something. The shops were too far away. They needed a solution right there and then and they didn't realize that what they needed was right in their midst. And when they did see a few of what they needed, they thought it was crazy. We have only but five loaves and two fishes. But when you put yourself out on a limb and you trust God, that if what he has said to you was truly his voice to you. You can then look at the little... in I mean, guys, I, I haven't got the time. I'm done. But can you imagine? Can you imagine how it felt for five loaves to be broken up into 12 portions, two fishes to be broken up into 12 portions, and each one of them was given something in the palm of their hand, and Jesus said, feed... The crowd and they turn around and there's either four thousand or four thousand people, five thousand. Oh, I'd love to go down that road, but I, I, the 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 whole thing rests on us accepting the fact that Lord, I want to be first obedient to Your voice and secondly, when I step out the resources will be there. Let me quickly flash through some scriptures here. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus, the provision of Jesus. He said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew 9 and Mark 2. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. John 10, 10. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Paul backs Jesus up when he writes in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. A stretched condition for him. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. 1 Corinthians 10 13. No temptation exceeds us except that it is common to man. And God will always, always give us a way out. These scriptures all point to one truth. Whatever you need from Jesus, when you, you're having to do things differently, He is able to provide. I'm going to have to leave the rest. Let me close by just saying, don't hesitate to be obedient. And as you step out, know this in your heart, that what you need he will provide. What was it you said, Mark? Whom he appoints, he anoints. What you need, he will provide. So folks, it's a wonderful journey that we're on with him. And I'm expecting many, many unique provisions and miracles from God, especially at this time. There's there's a sensing that the church of Jesus Christ has come to a threshold. And as we start to move across that threshold now, we're going to see things that will blow our minds. He's going to tell us, try the other side. And as we do, we'll see the miracle that only he can produce. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the many lessons it contains I pray for every individual who sat here this morning listening to me that as they come to those situations where God you don't tear nets, you mend nets and you fill nets as they come to that that situation where they're looking at a net that is just not gathering for them what they need I pray that by your grace and in line with your eternal word, you will fill their nets with that which will glorify God, extend your kingdom, and make them happy people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.